to the Asimov cast. Short bursts of joy, thoughtfulness and inspiration from the works of Isaac Asimov. I'm Lozzie. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast or email to asimovcast at gmail.com. This week we're covering our last Susan Calvin story. For now, Feminine Intuition. Feminine Intuition was first published in 1969 in the October issue of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. A robot has been destroyed by accident on Earth. This is the first time in US robotics and mechanical men's history that this has happened. The vehicle the robot was destroyed in midair, however improbably, was destroyed by collision with a meteorite. The robot JN5 was a prototype, a radically different type of robot, that had seemingly, before its demise, achieved something of incalculable value. This was a truly incredible tragedy. The head robo-psychologist for US Robotics and Mechanical Men was also in the play. The head robo-psychologist was not, however, Dr. Susan Calvin, who had retired five years earlier, but in fact her hand-picked successor, Clinton Medarian. On Susan's retirement, Medarian marches into Peter Bogut's office and demands the biggest investment in a single project at US Robotics, the JN Project. The JN Project is about creating a positronic brain that is truly superior to a human brain, while still maintaining the three laws. Creating a positronic brain that can be unpredictable, creative. The board of US Robotics are worried about this, fearing people will hear this as uncontrolled. So instead they go with an intuitive robot. Or, as one board member puts it, a girl robot? This is a branding decision then. JN1 becomes Jane1, rather than John1. Medarian reflects that the general public don't really think that women are as intelligent as men. And the board pauses, just checking that Susan Calvin really isn't there. The intention for this intuitive robot is to try and predict a habitable planet within the range of a space jump. It would be extremely expensive to make such a jump, and with no guarantee and low likelihood of finding a habitable planet around a star within 300 light years, an astronomer could make some predictions, but an intuitive robot could consider more correlations far more quickly than a human. If a robot could give even a short list of five potential locations, it would make the excursion reasonable. When Jane One is first built, and they design her with more of the physical characteristics of a woman, which is reflected as a pinched-in waist. That design is rapidly discarded, and Jane Two is more sombre, very rarely talks. Bogart reflects on Madarian. He's much more effusive than Susan Calvin, but he also gets in the dumps. Susan would never crack under pressure. Jane Two can do wonderful correlations, but isn't capable of judging value in them. Jane 3 is a total failure and is never even turned on. Jane 4 is a massive improvement, a leap forward in many aspects of robotics. But this is a step on the path, not the final destination. Jane 5 is what they're looking for, an intuitive robot. Medarian has added some design features, though. The robot is slimmer, shorter than usual, and speaks with a feminine voice. Medarian wants to take her to Flagstaff, where many of the astronomers are, and he wants them to think of Jane not as a robot, but as a person. He wants Jane to watch them, observe them behaving naturally, so that she can have the best data for her intuitive assessments. Despite Bogut's concern about the use of an experimental robot on Earth, Medarian pushes it through. 
When Jane first arrives at the scientific compound, the engineers step back, but as soon as they hear the feminine voice, they ease up, and Jane becomes accepted. Jane observes the engineers in all that they do, even down to what coffee they drink and when. Finally, Medarian calls in excitement. Jane has done it. She has identified three stars with a 60-90% to 90 chance of a habitable planet. Put them together, and that chance, uh, one of them has it, is 97% plus. Medarian and Jane are on a plane, coming back to US Robotics. And then their ship explodes, having been hit by a meteorite. All the evidence, both of Jane's conclusions and logics, and also all of US Robotics' illegal activity, has been destroyed. Robertson and Bogart are frustrated, though this was priceless information. They're determined to go back through everyone at the base, and a potential witness to the discovery. After days of assessment and interviews with everyone, there isn't a hint of a lead, and so Robertson takes a deep breath and asks Bogart to contact Susan Calvin. Peter calls Susan in, and she's exactly as dismissive and contemptuous of the situation as you might imagine. She demands private use of his office for a few hours, and all the records on the case to investigate. It doesn't take a few hours, though. After 45 minutes, she comes out. Based on some reasonable knowledge of Medarian's character, she did anoint him, her successor, after all. His propensity rushed to call with good news, but to withhold the bad. Since this was good news and communicated from the plane, the witness wasn't a scientist at all. In fact, it was the truck driver who drove them to the airport. Bogart and others dismissed this. Surely it would have been a scientist witness. If it wasn't, Medarian would have said something. But Susan explains that Medarian saw things through the three laws. He would have viewed all men as equal under the first law and not distinguished between them. Bogart and Robertson are still baffled. How can she be sure? Susan, safe in the knowledge that she's already identified the truck driver, called him, and got the critical information, pettily but reasonably replies, call it feminine intuition. Uh, things that inspired me or made me think. Uh, so I find it interesting that um, uh, if you compare what uh, Asimov's view of robots here are compared to sort of modern computer programs, his view of the necessity of the autonomy of a robot in order to be able to assist in the correlations that uh, would be needed for such a um, calculation is fascinating. I, I think it's it's a very old-fashioned thinking compared to what would almost certainly be a, just a modern computer program these days, and there would be no need or reason for it to be uh, distinguished from uh, and autonomous as a robot. It would just be a, a computer system. Um, I say inspired me. Um, again, we're we're dealing with um, intuitive sexism. I would say there's some pretty shocking lines in here. Medarian says no woman wants to feel replaceable by something with none of her faults. Um, Susan, uh, reasonably at the end, is like it is a difficult choice sometimes whether to feel revolted at the male sex or merely to dismiss them as contemptible. Uh, I mean, it's very clear what Asimov is doing here in terms of uh, his review of the stupidity and simpleness of uh, the men in this in, in, and their short-sightedness, uh, particularly compared with Suvan. Um, but it's, it's just very difficult to engage with this when she is literally the only woman in the entire story. Um, none of the board, uh, or 
are women. All of them are white men, which is why they're so uncomfortable with some of the comments being made. Um, but only uncomfortable in so much that someone might hear them, not uncomfortable enough to do that. Uh, so the, I guess, the sort of potential goodwill or good intentions behind the message are um, are very much lost in just the the nature of Susan Calvin as, as such an exception, um, as being the only one. Um, if I reflect on all of the Susan Calvin stories, and uh, I've said this probably in certain forms in, in some of the earlier stories, it, they are tough stories for me to truly enjoy. I quite like some of the detective aspects of it and some of the twists, but there's such this um, worm at the heart of them, which is this as I said, I think intention commentary on sexism, but really one that, to be honest, just to me at least, uh, goes to show up uh, the fundamental problems of it. And, you know, obviously Asimov was writing most of these in the 40s and 50s, and we reflect on the them being a product of their time. Um, but it's interesting, like, one of the parts of this is uh, that... Um, the men, the the scientists that Bogart and Robertson couldn't have considered that um, uh, the the witness would have been a, a truck driver rather than a scientist because they're snobbish towards truck drivers um, and view them as differently. But yet you've still got them saying things like, or you still, or sorry, the point here is the comparison is with Medarian, who would have viewed them through the th three laws rules and just viewed them as entirely equal. But you've still got Medarians saying things about women. Um, and again, he's set up to be doing so to exploit the shortcomings or the, the or whatever of men. But it's pretty, pretty rough, pretty icky stuff. And then Susan herself is designed by Asimov to be this sort of smarter than everyone, you know, exception uh who can run rings around them, but she's also obviously unpleasant and untractable uh, in the, at the same time. And again, because she's the exception, there are no other women in these stories. It, it doesn't, it's not dealing, uh, well, that's not entirely true. This was like one or two in as sisters or mothers, and generally they're not, um, they're not reflected on super well. It's just very difficult to see her or to see that Asimov sees her as a woman. He just sees her almost as a robot and or it doesn't he doesn't reflect on the entire in the entirety of the problem. So I definitely found it harder going through the Susan Calvin stories and some of the early ones. And part of that is that they are longer stories and they are slightly more complicated, but it's just been it's been tough to really truly enjoy them as much as I would love to, e even as much as I enjoy the sort of detective and the twisty aspects of some of them. Anyway, um, finally, uh, where I found joy, um, I did like the mathematical assessment of like the possibilities of finding habitable planets. So, even with all the stars within three hundred light years, um, the likelihood of habitable planets is very low, and and I liked the sort of the economic reality of trying to set out on a five-year mission to explore strange new worlds um, that were set up here. Um, and honestly, I sort of enjoyed Susan's acerbic pettiness at the end of this. Um, as much as I've 
been frustrated with this whole set of stories uh, it feels like she's she at least has earned it if no one else has and thank you for joining me you can find me at lozymandius on blue sky you can find the podcast on twitter and instagram at asimovcast the theme music is courtesy of Alexei Chastillon from Pixabay. Please email your thoughts, what inspires you, and where you find joy in Asimov to asimovcast at gmail.com. I am also, with my friends, starting a horny, chaotic podcast about the horny, chaotic HBO show True Blood. Check out Fangbangers podcast, with a Z, coming soon. Next time, uh, but it might be a couple of weeks as I'm going on holiday, I'll be covering That Thou Art Mindful of Him, the penultimate story collected in The Complete Robot. Go now. Do not harm humanity, or, by inaction, allow humanity to come to harm.